Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today the first degree first degree first degree first degree first degree first degree the first degree you see it on the news you see it on the paper you see it on facebook these things are supposed to happen in movies not in real life i was completely stunned because it's just not something that happens to you it's something that happens to other people you know i completely just broke down welcome to the first degree the true crime podcast that you might end up on my name is jack vanick i'm sitting far away from alexis linkletter and billy jensen how we doing we guys? are doing we're doing we're we're doing this episode we know is a little bit late but somehow the wi-fi in all of los angeles went out last night so billy was unable to record so we're just doing a little last minute here thing. we are we're rolling with the punches yes, this yes. is uh the world we live in yeah i don't even know what happened but i guess we're all back and ready to roll so billy we're gonna jump right into it what day is it today it is national tortilla chip day february mm. 24th Ooh, get yourself some guac a nacho a queso. that sounds delish some queso a, yeah. a queso are there any other good days it's also national trading card day and i know i collected a lot of trading cards growing up did either of you ever buy any trading no. cards no like po- what what Pokemon, trading cards on magic thing i mean those are gaming cards too but no no what what trading cards did you have like a baseball card uh, well b- sure baseball cards everything like that but you got to remember before the internet if you really wanted to like relive a, the, your favorite movie, they had trading cards for them. So every movie, Jaws, Close Encounter, Star Wars, every oh. movie had trading cards, and also a, a lot of uh, TV shows had trading cards too. Oh, I did not it, know that. It was the, it was a way to like keep your fandom I liked, going. I liked po- trading Pogs. Cards. What was your? <laughs> I liked. Oh hell yeah! I like Pogs and Beanie Babies and stickers. Well, Pogs are kind of technically a really thick round card, so we did have trading pogs cards. Are cool. Yes. Where'd all my pogs go? Was there a particular pog that you no, liked? No, I liked... Yeah. I don't know I like slammers. I liked the slammers. I know. Well, I'm kind of wondering... The slammers were the shit, and you could get all the really Heavy cool ones. slammers that had sparkles in them and stuff like that. But I kind of... I'm a little bit shocked that Pogs never made their second round with the Gen Zers. Like, don't you think that'd be something they'd be into nowadays? Well, you know what? First degree merch ideas... We're going to make some pogs. I don't know where the freaking hell I'm going to find a a place to make us pogs, but maybe we're the ones that are going to bring it back. You know, two millennials and a Gen Xer, we're doing it. So can't wait. Are there any other good ones? Yeah, it's World Bartender Day. I miss my, I miss tip, I miss your bartenders. I wish I could see one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could see any bartender ever. The day that I see my first bartender i'm tipping him 100 bucks just because i'm so excited to be out even a bad again. one just give me make me the worst drink in the world i'll oh, drink yeah. it i just want to be in a social setting <laughs> where it's safe uh, 
make me a terrible, terrible $20 tequila and nothing drink. I don't even know how you mess <laughs> up, but I will still tip you so much money. So can't wait for that day, but that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. Today's case takes us to Rockville, Maryland. And for those who don't know, Montgomery County, which is where Rockville is located, is well known as a wealthy area within Maryland. In fact, in 2018, the county was named the best place to live in Maryland by Money Magazine. For context, this region sits just north of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. So many who work for the government and in politics settle here. Today's case takes us back to just over a year ago, February 13th of 2020, the day before Valentine's Day. Songs The Box by Roddy Rich and Circles by Post Malone were topping the charts and movies Birds of Prey and Sonic the Hedgehog were in theaters. And another notable aspect of February of 2020 is the news of the pandemic was slowly spreading throughout the world. It was only a month before U.S. lockdowns began in March. And you remember what happened when the restrictions and the lockdowns came It was a lot of TV, and it was a lot of scrolling on your phone. TV and scrolling, TV and scrolling. And we were all scrolling, glued to our favorite devices. And so was our first degree, Kristen. I found out about this in March. So I was in quarantine. I had just lost my job and kind of trying to live as I can, kind of trying to ignore what was happening in the world because everything sucked. So I was just scrolling through my Instagram and I saw a picture of one of my uh, sorority sisters with him. So this him Kristen is talking about, you'll learn the identity of this individual soon. Pretty much the caption was just, rest in peace. You're a wonderful person. I can only speak for myself when I say this. The older we get, the more frequently I see these types of social media posts. And we're left to speculate as to what happened to a person we know or used to know, regardless of how close we were. Your mind kind of runs wild with the possibilities. Then the frantic Googling starts. And then, of course, the scrolling. Initially, I was just like, okay, must have been a freak accident, a a car accident. I didn't think it was suicide because I just don't see that happening. Kristen's mind went to where any of our minds would go. There must be an explanation for someone our own age losing their life. A reasonable explanation. And there was. Just not the one that Kristen was expecting. February 13th, 2020. It was a chilly February evening in Rockville, Maryland. And again, it was the day before Valentine's Day which is a day that people love or they dread based on their relationship status or a myriad of other random factors. The day was chilly. The high that day was 44 degrees, low of 36, just four degrees shy of freezing. And the day turned into night, and for the most part, the evening had been pretty uneventful. But all of this changed at 11.16 p.m., Because 11.16 p.m. is when a call came into the Rockville Police Department. On the line, there was a man who was totally frantic, and he was calling to report a stabbing at the 400 block of West Montgomery Avenue, only blocks from Rockville's busy downtown area. This report was shocking, unnerving, a stabbing in this upscale neighborhood. 
What could possibly be going on here? Police officers were dispatched and approached the two-story home. It was set far back off the street. The aesthetics of this house portrayed the exact opposite of a place where you'd expect something sinister to happen. It was red, barn red. It had a white trim. It had a porch on the bottom level of the home that had a railing around it. The railing looked to be made of a white picket fence. Honestly, this place looks completely wholesome. So the police, I'm sure, pulled up to this place and they're wondering what they're about to walk into. They approach the home. They enter the home. And once inside, they realize completely the severity of the situation. And it was a scene they would never forget. Inside, there were three individuals, two men and one woman. One of the men inside was bleeding profusely from a stab wound to the neck. And there was a woman lying on top of him, covered in blood and yelling, sobbing and screaming, I'm sorry, while she sat in a pool of blood, his blood. She was begging this person essentially not to die. And needless to say, the sight of this would be obviously shocking for anyone. But the police had a job to do. They had to save this man who was suffering from the life-threatening wounds. And while the wounded man was alive when police arrived, after all the life-saving efforts were made, he sadly died at the scene. This entire scenario evoked several questions. Who are these three people? And what happened? Why did one of them lose their life? You know, we're at the scene now and putting yourself in the shoes of the police, you can understand why trying to get information from those who were present would be pretty challenging at that moment. There was blood, there was hysteria, there was chaos and ultimately death. And now on top of all of that, there's a police presence. Police eventually identified the three individuals at the scene. The woman who was crying, covered in blood and yelling, I'm sorry, was later identified as 27-year-old Sofia Negroponte. The man who had lost his life was identified as 23-year-old Yusuf Rasmussen, and the other man was identified as Philip Guthrie. The police at this point were working to piece together what they were dealing with, so naturally they're looking for context and they wanted to know who actually lived at this house. And as it turns out, nobody did. And that's because this place was rented as an Airbnb, but there'll be more on that later. Law enforcement need to know what happened here. And of the three people at the scene, there were only two people they could ask. Sophia Negroponte, who's the woman crying over Yusef in his blood, and the other individual present at the scene, Philip Guthrie. Sophia was in hysterics, so they pressed Philip for details, and he started it at the very beginning. So it turns out he had arrived at this rental house at 10 p.m. that night. When he got there, Sophia and Yusuf were the only two present at the home, and it was clear that the two of them had been drinking prior to Philip's arrival. But once Philip got there, the drinking continued. Philip made a round of margaritas for the friends while the TV was on in the background. Philip continued and said that at some point, the energy in the room began to shift. So according to the charging documents, here's what we know as far as what happened that night. So apparently, Sophia and Yusuf got into a bit of a tiff. And for whatever reason, Sophia, who ended up standing behind Yusuf during this argument, ended up grabbing him from behind before essentially tackling him to the ground. Yusuf did his best to get Sophia off of him without actually fighting back or hurting her. And whatever he did ultimately worked because the whole thing calmed down and was brushed off. And the evening moved forward as normal. And while the bickering halted, it wasn't long before it started right back up again. And it's unclear exactly what these arguments were about. At one point, Yusuf began digging and searching for his phone inside his backpack as Sophia continued to confront him. 
And this whole thing about him looking for his phone, we don't know what he was trying to do. And I'm totally speculating when I say this, but I'm guessing that maybe he wanted to remove himself from the situation. You could understand why, right? And according to Philip, who witnessed this whole thing, this is when things took a dark turn. So as he's digging for the phone in the backpack, Sophia walks into the kitchen, opens one of the drawers, reaches her hand in, and grabs a knife. And then she removes it from its sheath. Then she walks toward Yusuf and lunges at him. And Yusuf put his arms up to protect himself, but it was of no use because the blade went right to his neck and pierced his neck. And blood began gushing from the wound before Yusuf even hit the floor. So this witness account was disturbing, to say the least. Sofia Negroponte was arrested at the scene. Police observed that she had several cutting wounds on her right hand. And surely, at this point, the detectives are struggling to make sense of what exactly happened that could have prompted Sofia to attack Yusuf. So under questioning, Sophia confirmed certain aspects of Philip's story. She told police that the argument she and Yusuf had was over a silly issue. That's a direct quote. She then said that all she remembered was removing a knife from Yusuf's wound. After Sophia was arrested, police searched the interior and exterior of this home, and they found a green-handled knife in the outside. The reporting didn't indicate whether this was, in fact, the knife used to attack Yusuf, but my personal opinion, this is probably the knife because why would they bring it up in the reporting if it was just a random knife found outside? But anyways. So naturally, the police wanted to know everything about both Sophia and Yusuf in an effort to make more sense of what did happen that night. Who were they and what were their connections to one another? Apparently, Sophia and Yusuf had met and become acquainted at the Lab School of Washington, D.C. Yusuf graduated in 2013, which was one year before Sophia did. It didn't take long for the police to learn who Sofia Negroponte's father was. And this one detail would draw a great deal of media attention to this case. Because as it turned out, Sofia was the daughter of John Negroponte, who under the Bush administration was appointed as the first ever director of national intelligence from 2005 to 2007. And then he served as secretary of state from 2007 to 2009. So he's a heavy, heavy hitter in government. And beyond that, Negroponte acted as the U.S. ambassador to Honduras, Mexico, and Iraq. And it was during his time in Honduras where John and his wife adopted five children from the country, and one of them was Sofia. It's also worth mentioning that Negroponte, quote, was one of 50 former Republican national security officials who, ahead of Donald Trump's election as president, signed an open letter saying Trump was unqualified to hold the office and would, quote, put at risk our country's national security and well-being, which was true. So, as expected, the media interest and vast coverage of this case came swiftly. And while the world zeroed in on this perplexing story, and those around Sophia were acting pretty quickly to do some damage control. In contrast to that, those closest to Yusuf were in complete peril over the loss. News of Yusuf's death soon moved past the boundaries of Maryland and through his extensive network of friends. And this included friends he'd made during his undergrad college years. And remember, our first degree Kristen found out about Yusuf's death while she was scrolling through Instagram. And at first she had no idea what had caused her friend to lose his life. But by this point, to her horror, she discovered that he had been stabbed and killed. 
pretty much immediately after I saw the post, I Googled his name, you know, expecting to see like a car accident or some kind of freak accident. I was completely stunned because it's just not something that happens to you. It's something that happens to other people. You know, I completely just broke down. And Kristen noticed that the reporting seemed to focus on Sophia more than Yusuf. I see this this person and all of these articles, they're just talking about her dad is a U.S. diplomat. And I got angry. I got really angry. I was just like, I don't, I don't give a shit about you. Like you killed my friend, you know, it's infuriating. If I'm looking in from the outside, you only really know information about her. You don't know what kind of person Yusuf was, you know, the kind of things that he did, the work ethic that he had, the drive that he had. His laugh was amazing. (laughs) It was just the funniest laugh ever. By this point, the media coverage was really ramping up. The Baltimore Sun ran a story. People Magazine ran a story. The Daily Mail ran a story. CNN ran a story. And these were just a few of the dozens and dozens of outlets that covered this case. And Kristen is right. The media seemed to focus, for the most part, on Sophia and her father's connected status and the gory details. Yusuf seemed to be an afterthought. So I think we see this a lot in these kinds of cases. And we have... What's going on here is twofold. We have this highly connected political figure who's the father of the perpetrator. And we have not a lot of details about what's happened. And my theory on that is due to who her father is, her father squashed a lot of things being released. And and this is a different story for us in that there's fewer details to work with than usual. But I think that's the point we want to convey that the damage control that Sophia's father was doing is still evident today as you're trying to figure out what happened here. I mean, I think that we all know that high, uh, powerful political players can pretty much erase basically whatever they want. I mean, even murders sometimes. So to me, this isn't that surprising that it seems to, uh, the details seem to have been wiped a lot from the situation that has gone on. But it's sadly typical of what can happen in in our country, I think. And it's also a matter of what the media focuses on. You know, the media is always going to focus on who the more famous person is. And especially, you know, you got to remember in D.C., the celebrities are the politicians, are the people in government. So if they're able to find a story that's based on on that, even if it's a family member of somebody connected to that, they're going to run with it. And you see that everywhere, you know, with like with cases like Aaron Hernandez, where the biggest celebrities in Boston are sports figures. You know, yeah. they focused a lot more on Aaron Hernandez than on Odin Lloyd, who was, you know, um, his his victim. So you've got a lot of that going on, and especially because. Uh, you know, they and listen, these reporters in these towns, they want the information. They definitely want it because they see blood in the water and they want to go for it. But you're right. It's, you know, these guys are very highly connected and they're going to try to squash as much as they can to get as the information comes out. Right. And I think one more thing worth noting is that there was so little information about Sophia available. Her social media uh, sites have all been taken down and she's 27. She's not 22. Mm. You know, sometimes like college age, I should be able to find more. I did find one thing um, that is sort of just playing into exactly what we're talking about. So in 2016, there was a report that she was banned from entering Joint Base Meyer-Henderson at Arlington, Virginia. 
literally banned from entering the premises due to some something. <laughs> but I can't find out any more about that. Um, but like to get banned from an Air Force base, we have to. This is complete speculation. Why are you trespassing on an Air Force base? What 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 did what did you do to get banned from it? If you're not in the air, first of all, she's not in the Air Force, so why is she there at all? And if she why she's banned yeah. from it? Okay. So, well, maybe she got banned because she was trespassing. I don't know a cause and effect there. I have no idea, but that is very well, strange. Right. It is, and especially cons- especially considering who her dad is. Her dad's Secretary of State. It was the Secretary yeah, of State at one doing? point. What what was going on there? Yeah, I think that there's also something to it that the perpetrator was a female and the victim was a male because I think as a society we always and it is usually perpetrators a man and a lot of times the victims a female. So I think that there's some sense of like attraction from the media in a case like that as well. I mean, you think about Jody Arias, nobody knew Travis Alexander's name like at all for the most part. So people really latch on to, I think, female killers in that way as well. Totally. And just um, one more thing too that I found, again, scant evidence about Sophia online, but in 2018, <laughs> she had a federal bench warrant placed on her for not showing up for a court date. I don't know what that what she was oh. supposed to go to court for because that's all information you can't find. But so this one uh, person on Twitter was like posting this stuff and at replying and like calling people out like, what is this about? You know, um, but again, oh. you can't find anything. Whoever's this damage control that's been done to protect her has been effective. Uh And it is it is so hard to scrub the Internet of very things. hard. Like, that is almost impossible to do. So, yeah. And like you said, if she's 27 years old, there's any normal 27-year-old has a bunch of shit all over the internet. Like, it would be almost impossible to pretty much scrub somebody's life. So, that there is a lot going on behind the scenes. Right, but we're talking about literally the first ever head of national intelligence of the the United States. If someone can scrub something, it's this guy. Literally to be the the most connected digitally as far as like, and well, you have to also think about his perspective, right? That he probably has the highest level of clearance you can get without being the president. And this is what his kid is doing. Like, imagine what you would do. And I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying what he's doing is good or bad, but like whoever his government, he's not working for it anymore, but they're probably like, handle this, dude. Like you're handle us it's making us look even worse than we do right yeah bad pr bad pr bad pr and and it might have also been something like she might have been saying stuff on social media you don't know and he might have even put a clamp on it and gotten even erased him before this you know what i mean there are ways that and even though he wasn't he wasn't still in that office you have friends you know and that's and dc is entirely based on connections that's what that's how dc entirely right and i want to um just give a reminder here that this is speculation about john negroponte scrubbing the internet i mean there's nothing there so it's an assumption we're making but we're alleging this we don't know for sure the thing that bothers me the most is that there's almost no information about him you don't get a sense of who he was and the kind of person he was other than a random comment from a close friend that doesn't mean anything to you if you don't know him, if you can't get a sense of the person that he was. Well, Kristen is going to help us understand Yusuf and the person he was. She met Yusuf at Muskegon University in Ohio. 
Muskingum University is in Eastern Ohio in a city called New Concord. It was really hilly and very nature oriented. There was a big lake and a bunch of ducks. We called them musky ducks. So I met Yusuf through my roommate my sophomore year. So we were all super close. We were just inseparable. Kristen describes Yusuf as being totally loved by everyone. So Yusuf, he was like a little guy, but like kind of buff. But he was really good looking and sweet. Everybody knew Yusuf. Everybody loved Yusuf. He was friends with everybody, knew everybody. And he was just probably one of the best people I've ever met. He was a wonderful conversationalist. I could talk to him for hours. He was very chill and there was just a vibe of relaxation with him. He could be funny. All of us would just roast the crap out of each other. And then other times, him and me and a couple of others, we would sit on one of the roofs and just talk for hours, just long, deep conversations. He's the one that you always trust to like walk you home at night. He was Pakistani-American. I didn't know his family, but I'm sure they're great because they raised a great son. There was even a point when Kristen thought there may be more than a friendship between Yusuf and her. I was in Alpha Sigma Alpha, and he was in Phi Kappa Psi fraternity. Our houses were right next to each other. So him and I got really close. We kind of bonded over our love of sports because he was a student assistant coach for the soccer team. Him and I talked about tennis and soccer and how much we loved it and just what it meant to us. We were kind of talking for a little bit and kind of held hands. We're kind of cutesy with each other, but it kind of boiled down to we weren't vibing with each other like that. He was a really big part of my life. We were just inseparable, saw each other every day, had lunch with and dinner with each other every day. He ended up being kind of like a brother to me instead. And here's some more about Yusuf. He studied health and fitness at Muskegon University. In the more extensive reporting about Yusuf's death, his friends told reporters how selflessly Yusuf lived. He was described as quirky, friendly, and smiley. And his friend Austin said it was pretty much impossible to not smile around him or be mad with him at all. He wanted nothing but the best for himself, but also more for others. And Yusuf was on his college soccer team, but he had a lot of friends on the swim team too and was referred to as an honorary member. And another friend referred to Yusuf as one of the most selfless, respectful, and culture people I've ever met. And Yusuf worked at his college radio and announced for sporting events, and he also hosted a weekly soccer program at 6 a.m. Yusuf volunteered as an assistant coach, and he didn't bat an eye at the grunt work involved with his job. And Yusuf's Twitter profile read the following, quote, Life is a song, sing it. Life is a game, play it. Life is a challenge, meet it. Life is a dream, realize it. Life is love, enjoy it. The loss of Yusuf reverberated through Maryland, especially through the city of Bethesda, where he was from. Muskingum University had a really beautiful service for Yusuf that you can watch on YouTube. And the room was packed with people who were touched by Yusuf at some point in their lives. So you can really get an idea of how beloved he was and how great he made everyone feel. (laughs) 
So if you're a super busy person and you don't have time to go to the gym, or maybe you just don't even want to go to the gym and work out in front of a bunch of different people, you need to check out the Aloe Moves app. I'm obsessed with this app. So it makes it easy to keep your wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place. There's yoga, there's Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, and so much more. So either you're a beginner or you're an advanced person, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that will fit your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. So even if you only have five minutes, you can just get some movement in. I used Allo Moves all during the pandemic. It was amazing. Like I was on my yoga journey and I was obsessed with it. So you can find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quiet moments, even if you don't really want to get a workout on. And when it comes to sleep, it's just important as fitness and nutrition, and they've got you covered with Allo Moves. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to Allo Moves com and use code first for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com, code first, A-L-O-M-O-V-E-S.com, code first. Okay, so listen, we are busy ladies over here on The First Degree, and when I have a moment of free time, I don't want to spend it grocery shopping. I want to spend it rotting on the couch and watching reality TV, and that is why I love Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a go-to for all of my grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to my doorstop is such a huge time saver. So Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They actually restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So you can go on their website and use their filters to suit any of your lifestyle needs. If you're allergic to a certain ingredient, if you just don't want to have it in your life, that's why Thrive Market is so awesome. So whether you're looking for organic snacks for your kids or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. I love this so much because I don't want to read every ingredient when I go to the grocery store. It's so easy to do it online, honestly, when I'm rotting on the couch. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash first for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash first. Thrivemarket.com slash first. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, or cleanup needed. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Get started today and get after your goals. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. For me, I was really struggling to get enough protein. I always do. But Factor's meals are protein-packed, and they're so good. And it's so easy when I'm slammed busy working in the middle of the day to just have lunch right there, not needing to do anything, except heat it up. Head to factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off. That's code DEGREE50 at factormeals.com slash firstdegree50 to get 50% off. The sudden and tragic loss of Yusuf Rasmussen was palpable. 
overshadowed only by the mystery of what happened to him. There were still no answers, because while the reporting on Sofia Negroponte was vast, the coverage really did seem to focus on her father's political affiliations, as we said. So little was learned about the events that led to Sofia's decision to attack Yusuf, which was infuriating and what everybody wanted to know. Sofia Negroponte was charged with first-degree murder. And she pled not guilty. And a few days later, she was scheduled to appear at bond hearing to determine whether she would remain free until her trial or whether she would remain in jail. And the state urged the judge to deny Sophia's ability to remain free on bond. They said, Montgomery County uh, Assistant State's Attorney Donna Fenton, she stated this was a violent, unprovoked attack upon a friend, citing how Sophia stabbed Yusuf numerous times in his neck, chest, and face. But then Sophia's defense attorney, Andrew Jezik, claimed that Sophia was not the initial aggressor. Quote, at most, whatever happened was that she felt in her mind that she needed to protect herself. And according to the witness, this wasn't the case. But this is where they were going with it. And ultimately, the judge sided with the state and denied her bond and ordered her to be remanded. And Judge Patricia Mitchell said, Quote, I do know that something happened that caused an otherwise affable, pleasant, family-oriented young woman to create a circumstance that resulted in the death of another person. And it turned out that the judge wasn't the only person perplexed by Sophia's seemingly unexplained attack on her friend over a quote-unquote silly argument. Sophia had a great deal of support at this hearing. Nearly a dozen family and friends came to support her. And Sophia's mom spoke to the press and explained how she and her husband adopted Sophia from an orphanage in Honduras when she was a baby. She added that her daughter had recently completed an alcohol treatment program, but noted that she's never exhibited violence throughout the span of her treatment. And her mother continued. She said, her dream was to be a nurse. Her dream is to be a nurse. Sophia asked to try to live independently of us. And within eight days of that independence, this ghastly night occurred and her friend died. And searches on Facebook confirmed that the shock of Sophia's involvement in something so awful went beyond the confines of her family. Articles about Yusuf's killing circulated on Facebook, and those who knew Sophia made comments resembling this one that we found. Quote, she was so kind, I just can't imagine she would do something like this. When Kristen first contacted us to share Yusuf's story... I suggested that we wait in the hope that more information would become available. I conducted this interview with Kristen last year, probably in March, and I held on to it because I didn't want to uh, to tell an incomplete story. But really, due to the you know the state of the world and the court systems, the pandemic continued to get worse, and that didn't happen. So Sophia's trial still has yet to be commenced, and. As you've probably noticed, compared to other cases we usually cover, we don't know a lot in this one. And I think that's kind of the reason why I decided to move forward with it anyway, because it's like there's something wrong with this entire situation and we really don't know what happened. But I think what we can glean from just things we were piecing together. I mean, clearly she was in an alcohol treatment program and her mom said she wanted to live independently of us. And this happened eight days later. So I feel like Sophia's had some demons for a while. Um, if, if her parents are worried about a 27-year-old living independently. Yeah, I think that those are there are very few clues that we can kind of pick up from what's going on, but they are kind of telling clues. Like you said, like that statement is 
pretty telling of what's going on. And I think that your decision to move forward with this episode is a smart one because we honestly, seeing how what's going on here, we probably won't really ever know that much about what's going on in the case. And that itself is a problem. Right. And there was so little evidence that they talked about in the reporting, but I was able to glean some things. So I looked at the motions that have been filed in the court, like in the, they have the record of all the motions that have been filed and all the hearings that have been conducted from both the prosecution and defense. And I, I think we can make some deductions based on these about what, what the trial might look like eventually. So the state filed a notice of intent in calling an expert witness in forensic biology. The state filed a notice of intent to present DNA. See, that I think is curious. I mean, if we just want to talk through some of this, like what DNA evidence? Yeah. It is it is strange because that's the state doing that. You'd think that would be the defense trying to throw a, a red herring in there or something. Maybe they yeah. just want to button everything down because juries are always just like, we want to see DNA. I'm not sure. That is so weird, though, because she was there. She admitted to it, right? So it's like, what? yeah, what DNA yeah. could you be trying? That's mm-hmm. very interesting. It seems as though Sophie's defense attorneys fought long and hard to get her another bond hearing, which is something the state had been countering. And the defense filed a motion to exclude testimony from the witness from that night, Philip Guthrie, from his bond from this bond hearing. And they also filed to suppress jail recordings of statements Sophia made when she was arrested. So it's it's clear because we do have Philip Guthrie there. Philip Guthrie is saying something counter to what she's saying. Really, because the police saw that, they walked in really seemingly right after it happened. She's saying, I'm sorry. Uh, She's not denying that she stabbed him. She's going to go for self-defense. Guthrie is saying this wasn't self-defense. So they're trying to get Guthrie as far away from this case as possible because he's really kind of the linchpin there. Because if Guthrie's not there, she would have a much stronger case by saying, remember when he was digging in his backpack, I thought he was going to pull something out. She could mm. even say that that he attacked her. She can say a lot of things if not for Guthrie. So that seems like what the defense is trying to do. I mean, imagine being Guthrie at that moment too, knowing how powerful her dad is. And God knows what they might have done to maybe threaten him or shut him up or anything like that. Like that's a really scary position for him to find himself in. So hopefully they're not successful in suppressing his statements because they seem very relevant. Yes. So according to court records on July 30th of 2020, Sophia was granted bond and she was released on a hundred thousand dollars, which was put up by her dad. And while there aren't answers yet, it seems as though a trial date for Sophia was set for April 19th of 2021. So we may get these answers that we're so desperately hoping for, but maybe not. And obviously, even if we do, the answers can't even begin to make up for the loss of Yusuf. There's so little context available in terms of trying to understand what happened. What was the status of Yusuf and Sophia's relationship? We don't know. But again, doing our own little deconstructing, um, Here's what we can infer based on what we do know. They were at a rented Airbnb the day before Valentine's Day. That could be something or that could be nothing because a friend later joined them, but they were alone at first. So was there more than a friendship here? Well, I know when I rent Airbnbs and I'm with one other person, that's generally a relationship. On Valentine's Day. Day. That's what you can infer, but who knows, right? Um, But probably, I mean, I'm going to guess... So 
who really knows? But I really am curious about what Sophia's defense will be. Billy, you speculated that it will probably be self-defense since that's sort of what her defense attorney said and was inferring at the bond hearing. Uh, We know she was in an alcohol rehab program. Her mom shared that with the media. Maybe it'll be, um, you know, she'll say she was intoxicated and doesn't remember. Because we know that according to the witness, Philip, that Yusuf and Sophia were drinking when he arrived at the Airbnb. So it doesn't seem as though that alcohol treatment worked. Um, Could that play a role in her defense? Possibly, probably, maybe not. Another big hole in this case is this quote-unquote silly argument that Sophia said prompted the attack on Yusuf. So what could have possibly driven her to such a decision? It's really, really hard to comprehend. And of course, without more information, it's hard to really uh, speculate. But Kristen has thoughts. So I'm not sure if they were dating or talking or what, but since there is a third person there, it kind of seems like a little bit off if they're dating or trying to date, especially if they've gotten an Airbnb. The thing that doesn't add up to me is that he was always the person to diffuse any kind of situation before it blew up. Just seeing that he was arguing with somebody that just, it's not right to me. I feel like there's a lot of information missing and it might just be extremely relevant to the case so they can't share it publicly, but there's a lot of information missing and just her story alone doesn't make sense. I wish we could hear his side because I feel like there's her side, his side, and the truth, but we're missing two of those pieces completely. So here's an interesting aspect to unpack. How has Sophia's father's political affiliations and connections impacted how things have unfolded so far? Let's start with what Kristen thinks. I think she's definitely getting some kind of special treatment or protection. It seems to be kind of romanticizing the fact that she's done this awful thing, but it's fine because she's the daughter of a U.S. diplomat, which, you know, has nothing to do with anything. Also, at the same time, it has everything to do with it because she's protected. That seems to me like a performance because if I think it was reported by the police that she said that, trying to act like she has some kind of empathy about it. It also says that she she didn't realize what she was doing until she took the knife out of his neck, which I don't buy at all because there's so many steps to getting there. I feel like you have to be aware. I just don't buy it. It seems like the media kind of painted a picture as if Yusuf was aggressing her and that she was defending herself, which is really easy to paint because that's something that is reasonable in a lot of situations. But you also have to acknowledge that she's the one who went over to the kitchen. She took out the knife. She walked towards him. He had his hands up and he was not doing anything to her. And he wouldn't. The person I knew. And it's interesting, you know, the media focused on Sophia and her father's connections, but those things didn't protect Sophia from being indicted on first degree murder. And for months, she didn't get bond. So if the media is siding with her, it doesn't seem as though the police and the courts are, which is obviously a relief in this case. But we'll have to see what happens when the trial begins. And either way, even a guilty verdict won't bring Yusuf back. It's just so sad because you can be the 
one of the best people ever and be such a light in the world and then just be taken out like that you didn't do anything wrong somebody just up and decided to take you out that's hard to maneuver i definitely take a second look at people i don't trust very easily and that's sad but you know you kind of have to nowadays you can't trust anybody you have to be very aware of your surroundings especially when alcohol's involved i want some justice to occur because she deserves to be put away she did something awful took a wonderful human being out of the world and then she's just being celebrated in the media it's sickening you think daddy's going to protect you and that you know nothing bad is going to happen to you but you have to be responsible for your own choices and she chose to do this i think she deserves to be put away forever Well, thank you, Kristen, for being our first degree connection for this episode. If you are out there listening and you think that you have a story you would like to tell, no story is too small. So email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group. We're talking true crime all the time and join the unraveled Facebook group too. If you've been listening to Billy and Alexis's other podcasts and stick around because we're going to kill some time. And remember, only you can prevent serial killers and keep your friends close. But not, but not that, that close. 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 Happy tortilla day. Oh, it's bad. Happy bartender day. Ooh, go get yourself some guac. Happy training card day. Shout out to Jared, Monica for sound design and for creating original music for The First Degree. Our producing team, Caitlin Cleveland, Taylor Rogers, and Alan Santiago. For Podcast One, sources for today's episode include The Baltimore Sun, Chicago Tribune, CNN, WTOP, Washington Post, WUSA 9, and The Daily Mail. And always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. Everybody loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. So it's going to take you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. I'm really feeling this because Lex and I both are really like into Gatsby stuff right now. So I am loving the vibe of this game. And you're going to step into the role as June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. It's perfect for all of the firsties out there. There's mystery, danger, and romance as you search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris. And you can customize your very own luxuries estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Android.
Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. All right. Well, welcome to yet another episode of Killing Time. How are we doing, guys? We're good. We are wonderful. We're recording uh, during the day, which is different feels, for us. It does feel different. It feels unusual. Yeah, it feels unusual. We don't have our cocktails, or at least I don't. Do you guys? Nope. Just I drinking sparkling water here. So am I. Liquid death. Sparkling yes. water of choice. Yeah. Um, you guys are back home from your trip. How, how do we feel about being back home in Cali? I'm really jet lagged. I'm really tired. Um, but the weather is gorgeous, like shockingly nice. Yeah, How you, you really feeling, get Billy? to appreciate you get to appreciate Southern California when you get back here and you realize how great the weather is. Yeah, because we were literally we were literally ping ponging between Atlanta, which was like freezing, and Orlando, which was like swamp air. So it was like, and I didn't. I forgot we were going to Florida for some reason. So I brought like wool and down in like the heaviest stuff like nothing, <laughs> nothing yeah. in florida i was like miserably hot or freezing the whole time it was no there was no comfort yeah we walked around uh florida and and then we snuck into the grand floridian and we were both all wearing all black oh like my god black jeans black shirts it was like we were like 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 who is that german techno group Walking around amidst these people with with shorts and t shirts on. I was wearing boots, one <laughs> bodysuit, and I was like, "Billy, I need to go buy a t shirt right now, or I'm gonna pass out." <laughs> so we went to uh, this other hotel that I had a gift shop, but everything was so ugly. I came back. He's like, "You didn't get anything." I was like, "They didn't have anything black. They just had like pastel pink, and like it wasn't yeah. my oh. vibe." So I'll just sweat and live in this. Oh, you should have gotten yourself a nice souvenir from being in Florida. You know. I didn't want any more crap in my house. No yeah, more. She doesn't junk. like crap in her house. No. If no, we could have, been, if we could have, if we could have found a cool black, probably Disney villains shirt with mm. Maleficent on it or something, that would have met. But no. No. Um. Did you guys end up like walking by any bars that were popping and not COVID friendly? <laughs> we. Yeah drove through orlando and like when we got to orlando from atlanta billy was driving my jaw was on the ground we saw people in like sequin dresses like going to clubs holding groups it was like it was like covid never happened there it was crazy that's never parts. happened well during the super bowl they it was like diplo and 50 cent were having an actual full-on concert there which was shocking <laughs> yeah if you don't want to, if you want to live in a make believe world, just go to Florida because they are not really acknowledging <laughs> the pandemic. <laughs> some people are. Some people are just like us, really good about it. Some people not so much. So you know, there's a spectrum. Right. There's everywhere. Yeah, and then we 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 went to one truck stop as we were driving. We probably 
logged maybe 13 or 1400 miles on the trip. And we went into one truck stop. And then I didn't realize it until like sort of the very end, because Alexis, like, let's let's get out of here. Everybody, literally everyone in the truck stop wasn't wearing a mask. And it was all different types and types of people. It wasn't it was just a, it truckers. Was like an, it, was, it was like an SNL skit. It was like it was like <laughs> if, in a cafeteria, every type of person you could imagine, like every demographic no. or, or subculture. And it was like everywhere you look, there was no masks. And it was it was like being in a nightmare. Yeah. And meanwhile, we're Crazy. taking like we're we're doing tests every other day and we're doing all of these, these protocols is, and then we're just Alexis like, is double masked and a shield and has mm-hmm. pure alcohol on her hands at I all s- times. <laughs> when we went to New York, Jack, I was dying. Jack's like on the phone with her mom. She's like, no, mom, she's worse. She's worse about it than me. Like I spray everything with alcohol. <laughs> well, um, you're actually yeah. worse about it than my mom is who my mom is the biggest germ freak in the world before COVID. So then when COVID came around, I mean, she's still spraying every single food container, glass, whatever with pure alcohol as well, even though there's little to no, you know, transference of COVID through surfaces, but she's still doing it. And Alexis, so are you. So am I. So am I. You know, don't want to. I I came this far. I came this far without getting it, without transferring it. I don't want to get it. We're almost there at the home stretch. Might as well just keep the diligence up. Cannot get it now. Absolutely refuse to get it now. We're almost there. Um, Okay. Well, I'm glad that you guys are back. Um, I was listening to an older episode of ours recently to do a little bit of a research for something that we're working on. Have you guys went back and listened to any old first degrees? Because they are so different and so amazing in their own kind of messy way. <laughs> no, tell us. I, I I haven't. Yeah. What what did you because I know the, the episodes that you're talking about, I'm going to listen to them uh tomorrow, but uh for for a special guest appearance um that we're going to be doing. But no, what happened? What did you discover? Well, first of all, I mean, they're so less structured than the way that we do it now, which I think that it's like good and bad. We had so much more banter in between, you know, us saying the facts of the story, but it would go on the craziest and longest tangents about like random shit. And the story would just like, it would go all over the place. And then we also would keep in when we would fuck up. So I would be like trying to pronounce a word for five different times. Right. And then it would just, I would just keep it in. We wouldn't take it out. We wouldn't start over. We wouldn't try to sound smart like we do now. We just kept all of our, our mishaps in the episode and it was kind of endearing. What we do now is like what Instagram is. We do like a highlight reel, but you have no idea all of the mishaps that happen that we edit out now. But we got so much mix, mix, we get so much mixed criticism about that. Some people want the banter back. Some people hated it. It's just like you can't please everyone. But I like, yeah. I think incorporating some more deliberate banter is good, which we're going to try to be better about because there, there's going to yes. be a balance that we can find. But yeah, it was, it was endearing mm-hmm. the way we used to do it, like little children. Yeah. I mean, and we oh. did in the beginning for the first episode that I had listened to. We were talking about it was the first time that we learned what Harry Potter houses that we were in, and Alexis still hadn't watched. Have you watched Harry Potter since then, or still a no? No, still no. Still a no. Well, we all like took the um, Pottermore test and found our houses, and it was it was pretty cute in the beginning. But we talked about that for a good 
10 <laughs> minutes before we even tried to get into the episode. <laughs> yeah. Where it's hard when you're authentically friends with people, it's easy to go off on tan- tangents, which we are to do yeah. in real life. And remember, we were doing those in person. We've literally, it's been a year now that we've been doing these oh, yeah. uh, over Zencaster and, and Zoom. So it's a different dynamic. Usually when we're in person, we're, it's a whole night, you know. It's more, so. And it's more fun. That's what I was going to say. The chemistry, I know Alexis likes doing these remotely because it's easier, but you know what? Our chemistry can't be beat when we're all together. It's just a different I- kind of a feeling. It's, it was more fun. We would make a night of it. And honestly, we were doing, we were being more creative business wise because we had more time to talk about business and like the brand and we would have dinner and it was more bonding for sure. I do miss that. Yeah. I miss it too. It, um, it'll, it'll come back at some point. Hopefully a few months. There's two yeah. things in the episode that I wanted to point out. One of them and I totally forgot we even did this is at the end of the episode, I would say, what did we learn today? And then we'd have a wrap-up discussion about what we learned from that episode. And I thought it was That's really right. cute. I think we should bring that I back. I remember that. We should bring well, that back. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we're trying to uh, do a second episode of the week just for Killing Time. So I think that when we separate Killing Time from the regular episode, we should have a what did we learn today discussion at the end to kind mm-hmm. of wrap it all up, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Good idea. And then the... The last thing that happened in this episode is we were trying to figure out what to call our listeners. And there were some good ideas that we never followed through on. And I just wanted to rebring them up so you guys could like have it in the front of your memory, just in case we want to use any of them. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So number one, we wanted to call our super fans the owls. Mm, that was good. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Why yeah. did we I, ever go through with that? That's definitely not happening now. <laughs> it's too late. Oh. Hmm. Yes, you're Wasn't right. there also the hot links? <laughs> there was the hot links. Hot links are delicious. So that would I don't hate that. It was hot links because everybody that listens to the first degree is a hottie. And then we're all mm-hmm. linked together. Mm-hmm. I like I liked the hot links. I, I like that. The that hot was links a, too. Yeah, so maybe we'll bring the hot. Maybe we can do some kind of like a hot link. Maybe we can bring the hot links into Killing Time or something like that and make some merch off of it. Speaking of hot link, I have a a digression. If you'll allow me to do that, so I was weirdly watching a random channel, Billy. I think it was our last night wherever we were staying, Atlanta. Who knows? I was watching Undercover Boss, okay, and it was the CEO of Wienerschnitzel who disguised herself okay. and went to go work at the Wienerschnitzel. And I had like a whole new respect for Wiener, Sch- like any hot dog now, just based on like <laughs> <laughs> there are like a hundred Wienerschnitzel like, the hot dogs themselves. I, I don't know the whole. I don't like hot dogs. I think they're gross. I still I don't like the way they taste. Yeah. But they, no. she really cares, man, about these hot dogs. <laughs> And they dressed, yeah. she was, she's an older woman and they dressed her up like a 20 year old, like punk queen, like with like black eyeliner and like spiky hair. And I was like, this is an amazing show. I've never watched this before, but that's my digression. Sorry. Wiener schnitzel, undercover do, boss. Do they come in as a new employee for undercover boss or do they come in as like a secret shopper? They come in and, as, an as a new employee yeah. and, they, and they think they tell the other employees that they're, they're doing a doc on like employee training or something like, cause they obviously have to explain mm. like why they're there. That they're filming. 
it's yeah. just so funny. The guy who, and then they pull the people training the undercover boss unknowingly aside. Like, so how's she doing? He's like, she is not cut out for fast food, man. This woman does not know what she's doing. <laughs> it is so funny. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> but I didn't. I've never seen that show before. It was, yeah. it was just idly on, and I loved it. I was like, this is a good. This is good TV. It, and now, it, it now is, you love it is good TV. And thank God you you're going to stop disrespecting hot dogs because every day Alexis will say one bad thing about a hot dog and it really does dampen the mood. Alexis, I don't like them. Still don't. You're going to have to start liking them when we start calling our listeners the hot links. Mm, human hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> a human hot dog. Um, the last name that somebody had come up with was the Van Gen Setters. Nope. The Van Gen. I. Well, was it? It combined all of our names, and I don't feel the link letter. Van Gen Letters. Oh, yeah, the Van Gen Setter. Va- the Van Gen Letters. letters. I like that. I kind of like that one too. You know, we gotta mm-hmm. like pull some of these names into into the firsty lifestyle. But I am glad that we ended up landing on firsties because I feel like that's the that's the best Easiest. best name for a listener. It is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's easy. Cute. It's good. Super cute. Yeah, and there well, will be. And there will be. Do we have any merch that says for firsties on it? Mm-mm. I need to make some. Listen, we're gonna yeah. do a whole revamp when we relaunch and all this shit. The catchphrase can be firsties, not the worsties. A oh, memoir. Be a, be a firstie, not a worstie. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We are really a lot better at our life. We're really better conversationalists at night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was one of the we worst have jokes the- I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> we ha- We really need some liquid courage. You know, it's hard. But you know, got to do what you got to do. Got to get the podcast out somehow. And this is our only time to do it. So... Godspeed to us. Yes. And have we killed enough time, do we think? Let's ki- let's put this one out of its time. misery. All right. Time we're of gonna death? take we're gonna take it behind the barn and take care of this. So uh time of death 1325. <laughs> Beep. Beep. Beep.